going to look here in First Corinthians chapter 16, and uh, I do want to preach um, this morning uh, to the men of the church and that are here, but this is not just for men in the church, it's for all of us, and, uh, and, and I'm going to say that we're living in a time where uh, the identity of a man uh, and, and woman has been blurred to a point where the world doesn't want there to be any difference, but there is a difference. Um, I guess you could say distinctions. I like that. I think there's distinctions about a man, and there's distinct that God's made us a certain way and for a certain reason. And 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 let me say, God's way is not the best way. God's way is the only way. And but in the process of time, it seems that um, as a result of what's going on in the world that we live in. Uh, that we've kind of lost sight, if you would, of how important it is for, for men to be the men God wants them to be. Yeah, right. And uh, I really believe that what we're seeing in this uh, current situation in our nation, as far as what's going on in some of these places, these riots and, and all that's going on, it's a, it's a product of weak manhood. Right. Because if, you find, if you'll do some research, you'll find that the majority of those people, they weren't taught to be a man. They weren't shown how to be a man. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a need today for men to be men and to be the men that God saved them to be. And there's, there's a lot of misunderstandings about that. There's some people that think that being a man is, you know, wearing overalls and, 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 boot, and I'm not against that, you know, just in roper boots and, and, and being able to uh, build a fire. I mean, that's, I'm saying you ought to build, 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 build a fire, but that don't mean you're a man. But the Bible teaches us what a man is. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, it says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, and be strong, let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you submit yourselves unto such, and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fort. Well, that's a good Fortunatus. And how'd you like to be named that? Just call me Fort for short. Fortunatus and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part that they have supplied. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet ye one another with a holy kiss. The salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. If any man, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ... Let him be anathema maranatha. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all. In Christ Jesus, amen. Let's pray. Father God, I pray you'd help me now. Lord, you know, Lord, how the devil likes to hinder and likes to fight. And I pray that right now you would not allow him to have his way in this service. But I pray you'd help me. And those that are listening now, I pray that you'd give us, Lord, a, a heart and a mind and an ear that's ready to hear the voice of the Spirit of God. And I pray, God, that you would help me as I try to preach. Lord, I'm not here today, Lord, to impress or to please man. Lord, I want to please you. 
And I pray you would help me now. Lord, you know me better than I know myself. Lord, you knew me, Lord, before I ever was. And I pray, God, that now despite all my weaknesses and my failures, I pray you'd help me. Touch me, Lord, and give me that which I stand in need of. Lord, whatever's accomplished and whatever's done today, we'll give you the thanks and the honor for it all. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The Bible says in verse number, uh, verse number 13, Watch ye, stand fast, and quit you like, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, and be strong. And then in verse number 22, it says, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. Let me say this, that anathema maranatha means cursed until the coming of the Lord. Cursed until the coming of the Lord. The, the, the first thing today that, that we've got to understand is nobody can ever be the man God wants them to be without being born again. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to say the Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. And, and listen, love, love is not a weakness, it's a strength for a man to love. And, and here Paul said in verse number 13, quit you like men. Quit you like men. And that's why I want to preach on this one. Real fancy title, quit you like men. Now, when we read that word quit, uh, you understand we, we all know what, we, what comes to our mind. It mean, we think it means to give up or to throw in the towel. Uh, you understand? Or, 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 or you understand that that's not what this word quit means. It means to behave like, to act like, to, betray, to, to carry oneself in a way that's fitting to, for a man. He says, quit you like men. Act like a man. Be a man. That's what he's telling him. And this morning, this world we're in is in a dire need for godly men to quit like men, to be like men, to act like men. I understand that the media and the, and, and the, and the liberals want us to, they want to shame us for being a man. But listen to me this morning. Men are the backbone of the United States of America. Godly men, God-fearing men are the pillars of the church. Down through the ages, people, uh, men that have quit themselves like men have been people that have changed the world. The scene here is a battlefield. The commander of chief is exhorting the soldiers on the brink of a battle to not quit, to not to be like anything but to be a man. There's no ground that we can give up as men. There's no room to be weak. This is what Spurgeon said. He said, where should the physician be but where there are many sick? Where is honor to be won by the soldier but in the hottest of the battle? And when weary of the strife and sin that meets us every day, we must consider that all the saints before us endured the same trials. For they did not go to heaven on beds of ease, but they fought and they hazarded their lives unto death in the high places of the field. And we will not be crowned as a soldier until we first endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Paul tells these people at Corinth, he says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, and quit you like men. We stand in need today of revival of men being godly men. You see, there's a lot of men that will be men 
when it comes to the natural side of it, fishing, hunting, you know, sharpening knives, whittling, all that stuff that's, that men ought to do <laughs> if they don't need to learn how. But when it comes to the heavenly side of it, they don't want to be a man. You know, there was a time, there was a time, there was a time when the men were the spiritual leaders in the home. But now all men want is they want to have the, the they want the, what's the word for it? They want the, the, the position of being the head, but they don't want the responsibility. Paul said, quit you like men. We know the church at Corinth was in trouble, right? They had a lot of issues going on there. There was a lot of issues. I mean, some crazy things was going on in the church at Corinth. There was problems with, with, with the roles of men and women in the church. There were some there. The, the, you understand Paul was admonished them about the women speaking and, and, and correcting the men and, and, ha, and teaching and having authority. And the reason was, I believe, because at Corinth, the men quit being like men. And so here he says, watch ye, stand fast, quick you like men. Quickly this morning, I want to just talk about a godly man, being a godly man. Being a godly man. I want to be a godly man, don't you? I, I mean, I, I pray and I, I, I want to teach my son and my children a lot of things. But I, I, more than anything, I want to teach them how to, how to be a godly man. Not just tough and not just brave, but Christ-like and to be godly. And listen, this morning, that is our calling as men. Listen, we all have different vocations, you understand? There, there's some that, that but, but I want you to know this, that no matter what your vocation might be or where you might be in life, you are called to be a godly man. Amen. Quickly, I want you to see the vision of a godly man. He says, watch ye, watch ye. That word watch, it means to keep awake. It means to be vigilant. It, it, it's, a, it's a military metaphor that, that was used to describe the duty of one who was stationed as a sentinel to guard a camp or to watch for the motions of an enemy. He says, watch ye. You need to have the right vision. Do you understand? I'm afraid that many of us have been blinded by the things of this world. Over there at the church at Laodicea, uh, Jesus told them they needed to anoint their, anoint their eyes with eye salve because their vision had become blurred. What Paul is saying here is you need to be alert. You need to be on guard. You need to be watching out. You need to have your eyes clear. And listen, where do we get our vision from? From the Word of God. Our eyes, we must have our, our vision must be controlled by the Word of God. How we view the world. How we make decisions each and every day. How we guide our children. How we lead our home. How we work and labor in our church should all be governed by the Word of God. Watch ye. Watch ye. The Bible says in Matthew 25, 13, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Mark 13, 35, Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh. Acts 20, 31, Therefore watch, and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 says, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Paul told Timothy and 2 Timothy 4 5 but watch thou in all things endure afflictions do the work of the evangelist make full proof of thy ministry we better watch we better have the right vision if we're not careful our vision will be warped by the philosophies of the world 
And what we'll do is we'll see things. We'll see things through the lens of society instead of the lens of the Word of God. Watch ye. You see this morning the stakes are too high for us just to look the other way. Do you understand what's out in the balance of us, us, us being who God wants us to be? There's lives at stake. There's people's future are, are, are in the balance. And it is our duty, it, listen, it is our duty to watch, to be on guard, to be, be to stand on the wall and to watch for the enemy that surrounds our families and our church. Watch ye. We better watch out. Amen. <laughs> you better watch out. Why should we watch out? Because this morning lurking around us, there, listen, lurking around us, we have an enemy that would love nothing more than to devour our homes, our marriages, our children, our church. And listen, how, how, tonight, how today can we just, uh, how can we just sit and be uh, nonchalant and just, uh, uh, and, and not pay attention to what's going on when we can hear, we can hear the roaring of the lion surrounding our families and our home. I want to say something. And I, I, I want to be nice. This is going to go on there, I'm sure, on the pod thing. So, I mean, I, I, if they, whoever's offended by this, whether you're in America, China, wherever you are, you can be offended by it. But listen, these liberals, these perverts are after our children. They're aggressive. They're militant. Their, their goal is to corrupt the minds of these kids. They want them. They don't care about me. They know I'm so hard-headed and there's not much use. They don't have much use for me. But they got a use for them. You watch the crowd. And listen, what I'm saying is I'm not mad at them because they're the father, the devil, and the works they do, it's his work they're doing. They don't realize it. But I'm telling you, as how can we be so lazy as, as men of God and, and so nonchalant when we know that crowd wants to ruin these children? How, how listen to me. He said, watch ye. He said, you better watch out. Our vision, we better watch out. But we also better look in. We better watch in. 2 John 1, 8 says, look to yourselves. That we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. I promise you when we get through this life, whenever it might be, when your life ends, you'll have caused much more harm to yourself than anyone else has ever caused harm to you. Better watch out. We better watch in. The greatest enemy I have is myself. Did you know that within the bosom of every person is the ability to commit any sin in the Bible? The ability. We better keep an eye on ourselves. We better watch our mouths. We better watch our minds. We better watch our eyes. We better watch our feet. Many man has been a left a beggar because he failed to watch in. He failed to watch in. You know, Samson was the strongest man in the world, but he couldn't even control himself. Better watch in. Better watch in. Better watch up. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, you know, there's so much that caught wants to that, that if we're not careful, it'll cause our heads to bow down. And it'll cause us to quit focusing and looking under the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said we should look unto Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the majesty of, uh, on the right hand of the throne of God. This morning, what I'm saying is we better look out. We better realize there's a real enemy 
a real enemy. We better realize there's a real enemy out there that wants to come and wants to, wants to not just hurt us, but our children, our wives, our family. Listen, could you imagine? I mean, I don't know of any man that I know that if someone were to say, hey, somebody's going to try to break into your house tonight, we'll just go in there and lay down and go to sleep. I don't know what you'd do, but I'd load every gun. I'd lock double, double deadbolt, put chairs in front of every door. You understand? I'd probably call some of my friends and say, all right, bro, Jason, if you'll bring that AR and get up in this tree right over here. And then, you know, now, brother, brother Hobbs, I want you to be the one that's the dummy. You run, you run back in front of You just get, spook them and try to keep them away. Just run back and forth in front of the house. They won't ever come in like the guard dog. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'd probably call some of my friends and say, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I need help. And you know, we ought to watch out. We better, be, we, we better understand today that, that there is a vision. And by the way, this isn't just for men. Ladies need to watch out too. Amen. Need to have clear vision because why? Listen, people you work with, people you go to school with, people in your neighborhood and this community, I don't know if anybody else knows it, but I've, I'm shocked by how many liberals there are around here. And this, listen, if there's one thing that's happened is all this virus stuff and this protest and stuff, it's, it's really exposed a lot of liberals. And they'll try to manipulate you. I mean, listen, they'll try to warp your mind and your vision. And listen, but what we must do is we must ask God's word, ask God to use his word to keep our eyes clean and ask him to keep our eyes focused where they need to be. Listen, if we lose, if we lose our vision, uh, if we lose our vision, the Bible says where there is no vision, uh, the people perish. Uh, where there is no vision, we'll be overcome and overrun by the world. Uh, where there's no vision will stand by and watch our homes, our church, our family be destroyed by this world. The vision, he says, watch ye. And then he says, stand fast in the faith. The valor of a godly man. Stand fast. You know, there's a lot of things I can't do, but I can stand. I can stand. That word stand fast, it means to be stationary. It means to be persevered, to persevere. It means not to give up. It means to be firm in holding and defending the truths of the gospel. It means to not yield to any foe, but to maintain the truth and adhere to your confidence in God and to the doctrines of the gospel with unwavering constancy. It means to hold one's ground. He says, stand fast in the faith. Now follow me. A lot of people will stand for a lot of things, but they won't stand for the faith. It's, 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 it's interesting that how ready we are to stand for things that don't matter and how unwilling we are to stand for things that do matter. He says, stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in the faith. For the truths of the Word of God, stand fast to, to the valor of a godly man. This implies that one should be constant in the face of opposition. Did you know that there was a time when the dad was the first one out the door to go to the house of God? But the day that we live is to become the other way around where the mothers have to be the spiritual leaders of the home. And all I'm saying is we need some valor. We need some people who will be strong to, be, to stand fast in the faith and hold their ground. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 says, Therefore, my brethren, stand fast. 
and hold the traditions which he had been taught, whether by word or epistle. Ephesians 6, 13, Wherefore, take, uh, uh, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Did you know as, 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 a, as, a, as, a, as a Christian, we've got to learn the word no. I was having a conversation last night with my daughter, and I don't want to embarrass her, but I was telling her, I said, Honey, you sure have made me proud in the first 12 years of your life, but one bad choice can destroy everything you've worked for. And listen, this morning, we need to learn to be strong and to stand fast in the faith, to have valor, and to hold our ground and say, listen, we're not going to back up or back down on the Word of God and what the Bible teaches. And listen, there's so much pressure on you and I to not stand fast. Amen. I mean, let's just, let's just start cutting this and cutting that and getting rid of this and getting rid of that. And, 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 and by the way, you can tell a lot about a man not just by what he says, but what he don't say. Right. Stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in the faith. I've seen this before, and I don't want to hurt no feelings, but if something's wrong with a man that has to look to his wife before he can say amen to what the preacher says. I've seen it before. It's sad. I was out when a church I pastored for, and this man, he was on, we was on visitation. He said, hold up. I said, what, what's wrong? He said, I got to check in with my wife. What? I'm serious. He said, I got to check in. I, said, I thought, you know, maybe he's going to check on her. I said, you got, what's wrong? She said, he said, no, I have to check in. About every hour. I said, you're on visitation with your pastor. He said, it don't matter. I got to check in. I thought, oh, you better check up. So what you better be doing. But anyhow, can you imagine? Something's wrong. You know, there's something wrong when the, when the men in the church will not back the preacher while he's preaching. Right. Amen. Right. You know, preachers take a lot of, take a lot of uh, blame for compromise in the world today. And, and, and by the way, it's well-deserved. But don't you think preachers might take a firmer stand if they knew the men in the church would back them up on the Word of God? Right. I want to ask y'all something. What are we going to do when they try to come in? Well, I mean, it's going to happen. One of these days, they're going to try. It's going to happen. And in that day, we're going to have to stand fast. You understand? I used to think I might one day go to jail for preaching, but I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. I've been checking jails out trying to find the one that's most, you know, you know. I want to go one of them ones where they send like the tax evaders and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Al Capone, people like that, you know, <laughs> where they got grass in the front yard and they, but anyhow, <laughs> I'm a real Christian now. But anyway, he said, stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in the faith. And you young people need to learn to stand fast. And the wise mothers need to stand fast. The church of Jesus Christ must stand fast. He's given us a place to stand on His Word. He's told us to hold the line. He's told us not to back up, but to ever go forward. And listen, we're living in a time where so many have retreated and run back on the Word of God that it is our duty, it is our responsibility, if it be our dying deed to stand on the word of God and to be strong to be to stand fast in the faith he said a godly man's got some valor he'll stand he'll stand we got to be willing to stand for what's right as much as we need to be willing to stand against what's wrong many will stand against what's wrong but they won't stand for what's right it's just like I've got people and man, they don't like, they're against abortion. They're against all that's going on, the same-sex marriage and all that. They're, but they're not standing for what's right. They won't get up and come to church. They don't want to 
You understand what I'm saying? The valor of a godly man. And then he says in verse number 13, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, and be strong. Be strong. We see the vigor of a godly man, the strong. He said, be strong. It means, that word be strong means to put forth all the vigor and energy which God has given you in the maintaining and the propagating of the truth. And your spiritual strength will increase by usage. Have you ever noticed the more you use a muscle, the stronger it will get? Amen, Dylan. I remember when Dylan first, I hate to use you for an example, Worm, but here you are. I clear of you. Last year, Dylan started, first day he ever worked with me, I give him a weed eater and, and listen, he looked like he was carrying a boat anchor around. Well, it was rough, wasn't it, Dylan? And uh, I mean, he was, he, was, he was baptized by fire the first day. And, and I could tell he, he, didn't want to, he, did, he didn't complain, he didn't whine or nothing, but I could tell it was, it was a hurting on him. And, 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 but you know what? He's gotten stronger. I know it's hard to tell, but he has. He's gotten stronger. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Warren. He, you know why he's gotten stronger? Because he's you. He's been you. He's you. You understand? And, and, and the truth of the matter is, the reason, the reason that we're spiritually weak is because we're not using the muscles that God's given us, the strength that we have. To strengthen oneself means to use what strength we have. And then as we use that strength, God will increase our strength. What I mean is, he says, be strong. Be strong. Don't be weak. Don't be, uh, but be strong. He says, be strong. We need strong men and strong women. We need strong Christians. Amen. Some of the best Christians I've ever met in my life weren't preachers or, 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 or deacons or, or any. They were, they were godly people who were strong in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We better be strong in doctrine. Amen. And for the last 20, well, actually about 30 years, there's a movement that swept across this country that's downplayed doctrine. And look what it's got us. Look what it's got us. It's gotten us a nation that's apostatized. Our country has become anti-God. You understand, there was a time when America was pro-God. you believe that? I don't believe they put in God we trust on there just to take up space on the dollar bill. I really don't. I don't think they did it on the, our coins just to just have some. I believe they really meant it when they did it. America at one time was pro-God. It was a God, you understand this? It was a nation that was established. It was, it was founded by people who trusted and believed in God. But then, all, then there went through, we went through a phase where it wasn't pro-God and it wasn't anti-God. It's just like, let's just don't talk about God. You understand? Let's just, let's just you know, if you don't, we're just going to become neutral. But did you know there's no such thing as neutrality when it comes? You're either for him or against him. But now we've become anti-God, against God. You understand? A hatred towards God. And it's all can go back to people not being strong in doctrine. Strong in doctrine. We must be able and willing and ready to give an answer to God. We better be willing and ready to give an answer to God and to our children when they come to us and they say, Daddy, why is this wrong? You don't need to tell them, well, the preacher said it was wrong. Well, it's just wrong because it's wrong. Now, you may have to use that to get you some, buy some time to get in your Bible, but what I'm saying is, I'm kidding. Somebody, Miss Chris, thank you for laughing. We better be strong. I got one laugh. It's better than none. 
But it's but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We must be able to take the Bible and give answers. We must be strong in doctrine. Strong in doctrine. Be strong in duty. As a husband, a father, a child of God, we have a duty. We have a duty. We have a responsibility. We should be strong in our dedication. You know, there's a lot of things when I was a child um, growing up, there was a lot of things that I'll, I'm just going to be honest, you know, me and my dad, you know, we had our, uh, you know, headbutting sessions. You know, we, we did, we did. To this day, we still do. That's why I don't have no hair. And that's why he don't have no hair neither. He butted head with his dad. His dad didn't have hair. Man, I butted head with him. I ain't got no hair. Drew, that's a pretty head of hair you got there. If you want to keep it, if you want to keep it, just, you know, follow the, follow the rule. But anyway, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of um, questions I might have had. But there's one thing I never questioned was, was he going to be there for me? I never, I never questioned that. He was, what I'm saying is he was, he was when it come to his duty and, and being my dad and being a, be, taking care of our home, I always knew he'd be there for me. Then verse 14, he says, let all your things be done with charity. We see the virtue of a godly man is charity. Charity. Love. He's telling them that love, in verse number 14, let all your things be done with charity. He was telling them that love was to regulate all that they did. There's an old saying that a man that loves what he does will never work a day in his life. You know, I don't know about you, but I know I, I love being a dad. I do. I, I'm loving being an old, getting older, you know what I mean? I'm kind of liking it. People feeling sorry for you, you know, and like, hey, you want me to carry that for you? Yeah, yeah, my knees hurt. But I, I, love, I, love, I love preaching. I do. I love pastoring this church. And we should all love where God's put us. The place that we have, whether it be in a factory, in a construction area, if it be in an office, whether it be in a whatever it might be, whatever your vocation, wherever you are, if you're a grandparent right now and your children are raised, or if you got little children, or if you got middle-aged children, your children are going to college, some are in high, whatever it is, he says, let all things be done with charity. Let all things be done with charity. Love should regulate. The strongest men you'll ever know are the ones that are kind and tender towards women and children. Something's wrong with a man that cannot be kind and tender towards women and children. There's nothing tough about bulldogging your wife and belittling your children. We should love them. This love's Calvary love, sacrificial love. This love means we give up whatever it takes to meet their needs. Amen. Amen. Giving up your own comfort. I can remember my dad, he drove some of the most junky cars there's ever been. You say, how, why? Because I, 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 I mean, I had to get, go to school in those things. I'll never forget, we had a little Subaru, four-wheel four drive, all-wheel drive, five-speed Subaru, and it was junk. I mean, it was just junk, bro. Larry. And we bought it. To, we <laughs> we bought it to feed the cows in. We pour. Daddy would pour the sweet feed in the trunk. I'm serious. And shut the trunk. And we'd drive around the pasture. And he'd get in the. He'd scoop it out. And me and John. That's how we learned how to drive. 
And, uh, and that's how he taught us how to drive, that six-speed. And one day, John was going, we was driving out through the pasture, and Daddy wasn't around, and he got to go real fast, and the front axle come out from under it. We, 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 we hit the ground, and the, the axle just kept going. And so, and, and it also, we also used that car. After the axle fell off, Daddy got it drug up to next to a big oak tree behind the house, and that's where we tied our Rottweiler out to. The, I'm serious, you don't talk about redneck. We had a Rottweiler tied to the rear axle that hadn't fell out, of the Subaru, and she lived, her name was Phoenix, she lived under the Subaru, and, <laughs> but once Phoenix died, um, Daddy said, I need a new car, we need to get us a new pasture car, and, uh, and uh, we went to the auction, and he bought a Ford Escort, two-door, XL, that means cheap, plastic seats, manual windows, no radio, four-speed, and uh, faded out. It was red, <laughs> had plastic hubcaps on it. He said, oh, that, that's going to be, he said, that'll be perfect to feed the, it's front wheel drive. We can get around the pasture good. And we got home, brother Jason, and the next day he said, you know what, that car's too nice. I'm going to start driving it to work. So being a kid, I knew what that meant. I mean, it wasn't just going to be go to work car. It was going to be take me to school car. And so he got the bright idea. This is, I may have told y'all this before, but I love telling this story. He got the bright idea, you know, when Grease Lightning come out, and uh, he said, this stuff they say will clean anything. He said, I think this might help. You know, it's kind of, this car is kind of faded. He said, maybe it'll help shine it up a little bit. So we sprayed Grease Lightning on the Ford Escort, and then it, it, was, it was faded before we start, but it was real, I, red paint was just dripping off the car. But uh, he took us to school in that thing, and you know what? He was happy. He'd still be driving it today, probably, if somebody didn't offer him twice what he'd give for it. And, and then and he had that. What I'm saying is he, he put our comfort above his own. He was willing, listen, he was willing to go without so we could have. Then after we got rid of the two-door red, we moved up to a four-door white Escort. I just assumed I'd never see another Ford Escort. I don't know if anybody's got one. I despise them, to be honest with you. And uh, it was a white Ford, and it was a five-speed, bro. Larry, we had overdrive now. We was in high cotton and air condition. And he'd take us to school. It was an LX, not an XL, LX. You know what I'm saying? It was fancy. had a radio in it. And he'd take us to school, and I was so embarrassed by that thing. But, you know, as a kid, I didn't realize why he was driving them cars. He wasn't driving them cars to embarrass me. He was driving them cars so I could have clothes, so I could have what I want, so I could play ball, so we could go on vacation. What I'm saying is he had charity. He was show that was, that's love. You understand? Real love, real love always involves a sacrifice. It means not just giving people what they need, but giving our families what more than what they need. That's what Jesus did for us. Did you know that that's love he's talking about in verse 14 doesn't need or, or ask for recognition? Jesus didn't ask for recognition. He did it for love. Jesus never whined or complained about the cross and dying for our sins. And I should never whine or complain about the privilege I have to be a husband and a father to care for our children. And I'm going to say this and I'm about done. I believe with all my heart that a man taking care of his family, putting food on the table, clothes on their back, a roof over their head, taking them to church, being a spiritual, is just as high calling as me preaching the Word of God. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. I believe a man 
that leads his home and his family and provides for them and, and, and takes and meet and does and meets their and help. You understand what I'm saying? I believe that man will receive just as much a reward on the judgment day as a preacher will for preaching the gospel. Because that was his job. That was his duty. And he did. You see, what I'm saying is when we go to work, we're doing the work of God. We're doing the work of God. He says in verse 15, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. We see the vocation of a godly man. He's addicted to the ministry. Addicted to the ministry. I believe that God wants all of us men to be in the middle of the work of God. We should not be happy or satisfied to stand on the outer, on the outer fringes and let others do what we could do. A man's first responsibility is to provide for his own, to bring home a paycheck. But it's just as much our responsibility to, treat, to take our families, to train them, to lead them, and to show them the love of Christ. Addicted to the ministry. He says that the half of Stephanus was addicted to the work of God. Not just any work, but the work of the ministry. I, I mean, how many of you have met some people in your life that were just extreme, extreme hard workers? You know what I'm talking about? Extreme. I'm talking about like borderline, insane, you know what I mean? Like cuckoo almost as much as they work. I mean, the type of people that like have heart surgery one week and go back to work the next. I wouldn't ever name them now. I mean, we got one like that. But I'm talking about, you ever met somebody that was just a, I mean, they, that's all they did is work. They worked and they got home from work. And then the way they got, the way they rested from work was doing more work. And then, and then when they went on, the, their vacation was to work. You understand? It was just all they knew. Work, work, work. We should, you know what, what it is? They're addicted to work. They're addicted. I've got a friend, he retired from Murfreesboro, water and sewer, worked 38 years there from the time he was 18 to you do the math, that'd be 47, whatever. He worked 38 years. He retired on Friday, and on Monday, he started a job working for a contractor laying water and sewer line, and he's still working today. Not just here and there, but I'm talking about 10, 12, 13 hours a day. You know why? He's addicted to it. He, he, he's addicted to it. And Paul said that the house of Stephanus, they addicted themselves to the ministry. They become the vocation of a man of God, of a, of a godly man, is the work of the Lord. He says, quit you like men. The world's in desperate need. The world's in desperate need. The world's in desperate need. These children are desperate need. There's, I, well, I ain't going to say it because of fear where it may get to. But there's a lot of young ladies that are growing up, they don't know what a man is. You say, well, I ain't their daddy. Well, you could be an example to them. There's a lot of young boys that are growing up and they've got no idea what a man is. They have no idea. And it's our job. Paul told the church, those men at Corinth, he said, you got to quit like a man. Quit you like a 